the form of social organization known as the ashram is ubiquitous in culture in both the modern and the ancient periods in every culture. As a manifestation of a school for the science of the transformation of consciousness and a research laboratory for the practical experimentation with the theoretical principles of such transformation and the dissemination of that information to the larger culture and to create a basis for intercultural exchange. In the ancient world, one of the most famous ashrams was that led by Pythagoras in ancient Greece. And through his work in meditation and in processing of unconscious impulses that were unwanted and the efforts that had to be made to eliminate them in order to attain inner freedom, he found that there was a natural inclination toward living a life, a lifestyle of austerity or asceticism, as it was now called. And the, uh, the members of his ashram voluntarily and as a result of their research became both vegetarian and celibate. The same was true of the ashrams in, in, ancient, in ancient Egypt, uh, from which actually Pythagoras himself received his training. And there was a great deal of exchange, cultural exchange between the ashrams in India and those in ancient Greece, as well as in Persia and China. Uh, the world was actually quite united between East and West, and even in those in uh, North and Central and South America. The difficulty in the transformation of consciousness comes down to a specific gravity of particular tendencies that are difficult to eliminate more than simply temporarily. They can be eliminated in a temporary way, whether through meditation or through some kind of trance experience or the taking of certain uh, shamanic substances uh, or uh, in other ways, but to achieve a permanent transcendence of the egoic limitations of consciousness is what the actual core uh, work of the research of yoga has always been about. Because it's very easy to feel good in particular situations. If you're in a high energy field or if you're in a certain altered state of consciousness produced by a chemical, etc. But to feel good, to feel happy, to feel blissful and to have the full capacities of your creative potential accessible always requires a shift in the center of gravity of the, of the consciousness 
that must be freed from what we refer to as the ego, which is the complex of thoughts based on the identification of the I with the organism of the body. In one of the great uh, scientific texts of yoga, written in India, approximately between 8 and 900 AD, already a much later a text, but one of those uh, of great importance because the early uh, teachings were mostly oral and uh, do not survive except in oral transmission from guru to disciple. Uh, the text is called the Viveka Chudamani, and it's controversial among uh, scholars whether it was written by Adi Shankaracharya or someone else, but uh, it seems like it was written as, a, uh, as lecture notes by a disciple of, of one of his teachings. It translates as the crown jewel of Viveka, or discernment, and it's a very important text. Uh, Shankara was very consistent in his understanding that you needed discernment, which is a capacity that only grows with a great uh, amount of consistent self-discipline. So you don't get discernment without willpower, and you don't get willpower without love. And so it's the intertwinement of those three that are the basis of the spiritual development that enables one to go from the lower end of the spectrum of consciousness to the higher end and to remain there and not fall back. But the sanskaras or the tendencies of consciousness to fall into a comfort zone of egoic uh, delusion uh, is so uh, predominant in the ego that without a functioning discernment capacity for when you are falling, almost like a thermostat, for when you are falling into a, a lower frequency vibrational range uh, that is filled with thoughts and emotions that are not uh, real, are not based on reality. Without the development of that internal agency, we cannot remain or even become uh, enlightened or fully awakened and certainly not liberated. And this again goes back to the, the fact that human beings uh, must learn how to be. Other creatures have an instinctual knowledge of their real essence, but human beings must create culture must create schools, must enter into an educational process, and with great difficulty learn to be who we really are, which is a very interesting phenomenon and would go against any Darwinian principles uh, of evolutionary development. So we have to understand what would be the function of creating a creature who is inherently confused unless it develops cultural forms <coughs> and uh, a research program to get it out of confusion. And how could that even be done if we were all confused in the first place? Therefore, it could not have happened as a result of evolution or natural selection. So these schools and the educational process and the willpower necessary to transform were the 
thermostats not only for individual yogis but for culture at large, which is why in the ancient world there was a hierarchical system within each society in which a class, whether you call them yogis or brahmins or the priests or Plato called them the guardians, uh, would have to be the highest caste of the society, but that caste would have to be completely disempowered from the politics of the culture. The actual political running of a society was by the second caste, the lower caste, the kshatriyas, the brahmins or the the priesthood of the guardians, were a kind of communistic upper class that had no power except that of truth and love and the capacity to educate those who would become the rulers of society. This is what in ancient Israel was attempted with the institution of prophecy, but the prophets uh, lost their power and they were not able to uh, transmit a consistent lineage. And so that attempt failed. And unfortunately, it's that failed attempt that became the basis of Western culture. An attempt that was, in fact, crucified, assassinated by the final prophet of that lineage. So, in any case, the, uh, the system of wisdom schools have developed but had to go underground because they were persecuted by the the development of lineages of egoic rule over society that was no longer interested in truth or the higher levels of the spectrum of consciousness. And so they became schools of uh, alchemy and of uh, Kabbalah and of other uh, forms of uh, esoteric transmission through metaphor and symbol uh, that was uh, not actually decipherable by anyone who was not in the know of that particular uh, school's lineage. And so in the course of time, those uh, symbols also became misunderstood by those who had not received the full transformation or the development of the full capacity of discernment. And so now we exist in a time period in which the understanding that culture must be led by such uh, guardians as Plato uh, developed in uh, the Republic, uh, but we have no guardians or very few who are capable of fulfilling that function and a society that does not recognize the need for such a function. And therefore, there is no uh, way out of the, uh, the blindness uh, because there are very few even with one eye functioning and no one wanting to listen to what they are saying. And therefore, in the, uh, in the modern world, alternative processes developed such as psychoanalysis and transpersonal psychology and Jungian analysis which attempted to make up for that lack through a, a restoration of the premises of the early teachings, but within a scientific structure that would be recognized as a part of medicine, a medical practice, and so it was medicalized. This also has become degraded 
as we understand, because it, anything uh, that has to do with the alteration of consciousness mm-hmm. exists within a political field, and it becomes controlled by those forces who fear uh, the development of consciousness because uh, that also tends to develop revolutionary tendencies to overthrow illegitimate authority structures. And thus, those within the framework of, uh, of the field of medical psychology and psychiatry were forced to walk a very delicate line to remain both acceptable and influential and at the same time to uh, serve the forces, whether it's the pharmaceutical forces and the, the forces of uh, imprisonment and the judicial system and other uh, systems that have an interest uh, in the development or the stunting of consciousness for political reasons. And thus it's a very highly charged uh, endeavor. And because the educational system out there of the exoteric level is actually uh, designed to eliminate your curiosity and your capacity for discernment in order to fit in with a social model that doesn't want you to know too much or think too deeply. Uh, The educational system has become very boring for most people and people tend to drop out. And the more intelligent ones drop out sooner than the less intelligent ones. So the ones who actually get the PhDs tend to be the most mediocre or unintelligent of all and uh, often the most uh, psychopathic because the only reason to get one of these degrees now is to get ahead into a rulership position in the society and having nothing to do with wisdom but with making money. So in this situation in which the actual capacity for wisdom has been ridiculed and marginalized and in which the uh, credentials of those who have uh, made some steps in that direction, like Carl Jung, for example, had to remain at a very um, gross level of understanding. So Jung's four functions, for example, of thinking, sensing, feeling, and intuition all pertain only to the ego mind. They have nothing to do with the real self. The intuitive function was the only one that at least is attempting to get information from within rather than from without. Uh, and therefore it had some relevance to the uh, process of spiritual development. But in the end, he had to uh, invent another function called the transcendent function to be able to explain how there were such beings such as Ramana Maharshi and uh, the other yogic sages in the world whom he himself was too frightened even to meet because in doing so, the whole Jungian paradigm would collapse. Uh, but these, uh, these Western uh, psychological paradigms are useless in taking you uh, beyond a certain level of psychological development and do not take you to the level of discernment, of viveka, uh, but only of a capacity to symbolize uh, in language the forces that rise into conscious awareness within the framework of those 
of four functions. But they are derivative products of the deeper and the higher levels of consciousness. And because they are translated into language, they have already lost their true uh, essential nature, which is entirely paradoxical and non-languageable. As uh, <clears throat> Shankaracharya states in the Viveka Chudamani, the essential cause of all suffering is the mistaking the not-I for the I. For identifying what is not the self as the self. And the main uh, misidentifications are mistaking those functions of thinking and sensing and intuiting and feeling for the self when they have nothing to do with the self. And mistaking the body, of course, and the body image and the um, projections that one has internalized in one's childhood and throughout the course of life as if they have some realistic mirroring of the nature of the self. So Shankaracharya said that yoga begins when you let go of the belief in any of those not-I formations as pertaining to the real self. You must not be influenced by anyone else's opinions of you, by what you seem to look like in the mirror, by uh, your thoughts, because your thoughts are not really your <coughs> thoughts. They are internalizations of collective thoughts. And, uh, and language itself is learned from the other. You were not born speaking a language, or at least not a human language, a divine language that you speak, but that gets quickly forgotten. And you do not understand the messages that come from within your psyche, from your dreams, for example, and you have to even learn how to interpret your own dreams. You do not understand how your body functions and what symptoms of pain and suffering in the body actually mean. And so we are clueless uh, and have to hire experts to tell us what's wrong with us, whether it's what's wrong with us in a physical or in a mental or emotional level. So we are in total ignorance of this, and we do not have the educational institutions that help us to come out of that ignorance. Well, the capacity to know oneself is inherent, but it can only be achieved once you have made that discernment and stop trying to get your information about who you are from the wrong sources and recognize that the only source of accurate information about who you are or how you are and what your potential is can only come from the source of your being itself. And that's when your education begins. And the education, as Plato himself said, must be a recollection, a remembrance of that which has been forgotten but which you already know because the real self knows everything. It doesn't need to learn anything from reading books. But the access to that knowledge must be opened. And that's where the educational process and teachers and guides who can help eliminate the blocks 
to the access to that information are useful. But you don't need any teacher to help you uh, with the information itself that comes from the source because you are the source. It's just that you have identified with the not source and that misidentification or trance state must be awakened from in order for the flow of knowledge, uh, the noetic sphere of reality, to be available. And again, as uh, Shankara said, the function of the school or the guru or the guide or the psychotherapist, if you want to put it in a modern uh, framework, is to awaken the capacity to love and to receive love and to love yourself and to awaken the dormant elements of one's willpower that have been shut off because of a lack of will to grow up because you don't see a world of adults that you want to grow into. Uh, Most uh, children today reject the world of adults before they're at age five. And they say, I don't ever want to grow up. And that's why Peter Pan is so famous today. And the Peter Pan syndrome that has actually been named as such, or the puer eternus, as Jung called it, is one of the uh, major complexes of the society. Who wants to grow up and be a boring slave of a system uh, that is uh, itself lacking in any integrity or wisdom? Just to live for making money is not enough to nourish the soul. And so uh, once that has been cut off, however, the capacity for discernment of real wisdom is also cut off. And the capacity for the willpower to grow and for uh, the feeling of the power of love that will nourish uh, the health of the organism itself, which requires love in order to want to live, uh, must be, again, made available. Just as the plants need sunshine, the human organism needs love shine. And if it doesn't get enough love shine, it's going to be stunted in its uh, spiritual development. So the school that can offer love and wisdom and the development of self-discipline and willpower will enable the realization of one's internal potential and the rediscovery of the inner sources of inspiration to fully develop and flower in synchrony and synergy with a community of other such beings who are growing toward the ultimate love shine which is what we can refer to as God. And to develop that God consciousness in harmony and in a way in which that all problems of the physical dimension of reality can be easily solved. Because the creative power of God is truly almighty and all-powerfully able to resolve problems, but only if that force is released fully into the environment and the sphere of human culture. This culture has lost its access, has cut off its own roots, and therefore it is dying. And uh, it cannot be saved. Every uh, civilization has a lifespan. It has a birth, a flowering, a decline, and a death. But the death of every culture also heralds the birth of a new culture. And 
the new culture can either be at a lower level of consciousness or at a higher one. But if we do not give birth to cultures at a higher level of consciousness than the one that is now dying, we will not be able to solve the problems that this culture is leaving in its wake as it dies and the trouble it is causing in its moment of decomposition, which, may, which does include a heightened radioactivity in the environment, which is a very difficult problem to solve and the pollution of the society and the massive extinction and die-off of life forms, etc. So the problems are huge and not solvable by the current level of consciousness that we are functioning at. Thus the imperative of the development of schools of wisdom and of uh, the self-discipline for reaching those higher states of consciousness from which we can access the solutions to our own self-caused problems. So all of this being simply a preamble to the fact that it is an ethical imperative now to make our highest priority in life the development and the sustenance of that higher consciousness and the development in our offspring, the ideal of developing a higher level of consciousness in order to be able to serve for the very survival of the species and of the ecosystem of our planet. Because nothing else will be adequate as a response to our current crisis. And this requires the development of discernment to the level at which we can realize that our real self is without ego. Because we live in a culture that valorizes and idolizes the ego, has made egocentricity its ideal state, has lifted narcissism to uh, the level of, uh, of the goal of life, when it is the seedbed out of which the real self must emerge. And so the breaking through of narcissism and the development and refinement of our capacity for self-training and refinement of the raw material of consciousness, what in alchemy is called the negredo, the lead and the turning of it into pure gold of divine consciousness, has to be the industry that we most invest in. Because if we cannot produce an industry that produces divine human beings, then there will be no human beings left in a very short time. And by divine, I mean beings capable of love, of wisdom, of harmony, of relationships, of mutuality and care, and of universality, not of a very limited circle of care that stops at the family, biological family circle, or the nation state, or the religious uh, denomination, but that is truly universal and interspecies 
in its capacity for love. And to reach that and to create such a factory for the production of higher beings, we must gain the capacity for silencing the ego mind and creating a space of reflection and contemplation and invocation of the higher intelligence to emerge and take over from its usurpation by the narcissistic ego. And this is what meditation is about. To surrender to our own innermost self and give that self, again, the right to the throne of consciousness, to the control of our lives, to the direction of the development of our potentials. Not to put that in the hands of a narcissistic ego that will base its, uh, its life on the pleasure principle and on desire and fear. And so the first development must be that of becoming silent, still, centered, clear, able to discern the rational from the irrational, the real from the false, the eternal from the temporal. And to be unflappable, unshakable by the opinions of others, by ridicule, by rejection, by abandonment, to be free of any codependence, to be free of any need of affirmation by an external other, to be free of the need for any strokes, for any position in society or community, to be free of the need of anything but that connection to the innermost self and its power of wisdom and will and love. When we are dedicated to this loyalty above all others, then we will be capable of loyalty to others in a way that has integrity. And so the integrity function that comes from this loyalty to the self, if it is not developed first, we will have no capacity to keep our promises that we make to others or to ourselves, to keep our resolutions, to maintain consistency of identity, consistency of love, consistency and perseverance in the face of adversity, and we will collapse at the first wind that goes against our sails and does not support our ambitions. So that inner power to move ahead under one's own power without the need of support of others 
to be able to create what, what needs to be created regardless of if anyone else sees that truth and shares that vision is the only way that the new will manifest. That unprecedented, spontaneous emergences of new ideas, of new social forms, and of new capacities for synergy will ever come into being. It cannot be mapped out in advance because indeed it must be unprecedented to serve, to be successful. Therefore, there is no criterion that the ego mind has to judge its own inspirations. And we must surrender to the will of that higher intelligence that we cannot guide but must learn to be guided by. And it is this complete inversion of consciousness that must dethrone the ego and surrender to a new kind of innocence, humility, and of absolute loyalty to the self. Surrender to the self, the one self, the supreme self that alone holds the possibility of our survival at this crossroads where we can either take the path of extinction or of higher evolution. May we all choose to take the high road through finding that still voice of silence, of truth and power within us that is God.